Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Another brand new Flyers Daily as we kick off another week of the NHL offseason, at least for the Flyers, and uh, the conference finals going on in the West and in the East. See if the Rangers, after losing that game in late game fashion to the Lightning, can find a way to rebound and take that three games to one lead headed back to New York later this week. But in this episode, it's the Monday. We always talk to Bill Meltzer on Mondays. And we're going to do a little Ask Billy in this episode. And we're going to make this a two-parter. So here is part one. Bill Meltzer joins us right now from NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I feel like I've finally gotten into the headspace of offseason. Like I've stepped away far enough from the grind of the 82 and yep. you know, the daily pod and everything that I feel like I've kind of moved away from it now. I'm watching hockey and just being able to enjoy it without going, oh boy, when can we get a player like Nikita Kucherov, you know, or yeah. something like yeah. that. And, or Igor Shosturkin, I'm going, oh man, is, is Hart going to be at that level? Is he going to be yeah. one of the top two goalies in the division? But I feel like I'm getting there now, just being able to enjoy, enjoy some good, really good hockey. And, you know, as we're taping this, the Rangers go down in game three. They had a stranglehold on the game, and then 40-some seconds left. Tampa all of a sudden comes roaring back and takes the erases a two-goal deficit and gets a 3-2 win. They, they do. They, they, they've still got a climb ahead of them. I mean, but let's be honest. Even in game three, the Rangers were the better team for mm-hmm. much of that game. They've been the better team really in all three games so far in the series. So you know, the amazing part about it, yeah. Bill, is what's happening in that series, and we've seen a lot in the playoffs. I know people have been tweeting me it too. I always talk about shot volume versus quality yeah, versus quality. quantity. Yeah. And you're seeing, yeah. yeah, a lot of shots on Shesterkin, but not a lot of them have been high danger. You know, they really did a good job keeping everything to the outside. They, they have. And that's really what they did, they did all season. If you looked at, you know, if you, if you looked at the Rangers analytics from much of the season, you know, the Rangers were typically outshot this season. And, you know, even in terms of expected goals, you know, they were they they got better as the season went along, but for at least half a season they were near the bottom. You know, and they they over relied on Chesterkin. But you know, as as they've gone along, you know, they he faced a higher volume of those medium to, to you know, medium danger to routine shots. And if he can see it, he's gonna stop it. So yeah. you know, and the uh, of course the part of the other part of it too in the series is that uh you know there there have been um, uh, all a little bit like the start of the Toronto series, you know, Vasilevsky hasn't been himself the entire series. You know, there, there've been games where he was just noticeably outplayed. So yeah. you know, that's why, that's why they are where they are. I mean, if, if Tampa ties it up in, in game four, then, then, Hey, it's a, it's a best of three series and you have a team that's been there before. Maybe the complexion changes. I'll tell you at two, one, I still think the Rangers were, you know, are, are in a good, real good spot here. So, yeah, I do too. And Bill, they're playing at a pace that is yeah. really giving Tampa trouble. You know, Tampa didn't face an opposition that plays with this pace that the Rangers did. You saw the Rangers when when they went to that that pace game, Penguins couldn't keep up. Yeah. You know, yes. when they did the same thing in the second series, mm-hmm. couldn't keep up, and they can just get this. You know, they have some fast skaters, not world beaters, but they play so darn they fast in transition. And it all starts with how they break out of the zone. We yep. talk about that all the time, you know. Um, and it, it's not only Fox, but I mean, it kind of starts with Fox. Yeah, he, he gets he wheels the puck up ice to the forward so quickly. They're generating speed through the neutral zone and, and getting on the attack. And that's uh, 
You know, that, that, that old adage about the puck moving faster than anybody can skate. The Rangers are a good case of that. Yes, they have some speed on that team. They do, for sure. But they, they move the puck really, really well. And, uh, you know, better really better than Tampa has. So Yeah. You can see Tampa missing point a little bit. Uh, yeah. One of the other things that's really kind of jumped for me with the Rangers, Bill, and, you know, for the, for the Rasmus Ristolainen and haters, I mean, you want to just kind of turn the radio down or turn your whatever you're listening to this down real quick. But Jacob Truba, I think, has made an enormous difference for that Ranger team because as the series goes on, his punishing way of playing, you, you know, you couple that. Like, I, I go, okay, yeah, they got a guy that can punish people like uh, like Ristolainen can, but they've also got other guys, Lindgren, Schneider uh, on some situations, Keandre Miller. They got a lot of nasty back there on that blue line. Yeah. And to me, I think other than Shesterkin, that may be the biggest reason why they're advancing and doing what they're doing is they're nasty. Yeah, they, they've definitely been a very tough team to play against. And, with you know, with Truba in particular, you know, I mean, they're, they're the hits that get replayed. But there's also the ones where, you know, where it might not make a sound except for the guy go oof. Yeah. That full body kind of check, you know, and, and I mean, you know, you're going to pay a price and you will get hit over and over and over again. It's, it's not just it's not just the ones that, uh, you know, are controversial. It's just just it's just how relentless he's been. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Ristolainen. I mean, I, I you listen, Truba has a higher hockey IQ than, than uh, Ristolainen does. Yep. But Ristolainen, in terms of being relentless and punishing guys, that's why the Flyers acquired him in the first place yep. and, and why. You know, you talk to the hockey people, and it's always been, well, you know, he is what he is in the regular season. He'll have some ups and downs, da, 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 but, but get him into a playoff series, and, you know, he's going to be a warrior in a playoff series. That's always it's always kind of been what's been said about him, but he has yet to, you know, get that far. But that, that was why the Flyers got him, to bring that particular element to the team. And there's not a ton of defensemen out there who, who bring that so that was you know yep. uh, you know so that's really you know we'll see i mean the flyers have a long road obviously to get get to the playoffs and yeah. see what happens but i mean that's that's it, the it, dividend it, though yeah. with bristol Linen is a yeah. seven game series and a guy that you know a lot of times like you said with truba it's not about the hit that is controversial it's about the 10 hits that don't happen because guys don't want to come across mm-hmm. the middle of the ice that that part of it too right yeah. Yeah, guys. You've seen Tampa doing that, right? In yeah. other series, flying through the middle of the ice. You don't see it in this series. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to venture there. And you can't, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and it's, it's, it's human nature because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know what's going to follow. I mean, situationally, you pay the price, but it's, you know, but it's just, uh, you know, it's the impact he's had on the series. So it's, uh, you know, and you said there's other, there's other guys too. It's not just Truma. Yep, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's been it's been an interesting dynamic. The other the other thing too, Jason. Before we move on, I, I think it shows sometimes how narrow the margin really is. In, in you know, once again, the playoffs. I mean, the Rangers were close to being out in five games. Yep, first round, right? And uh, you know, and they trailed in so many games there. And, you know, they had that stretch that stretch of their winning, but they were trailing early in games, which usually can be fatal. You know, you. Sometimes, sometimes when you come so close to being eliminated and you, and you fight off three straight elimination games, I don't know. It's not like you're playing with house money. The pressure grows, but but a confidence level comes with it too. I mean, I think back to the Flyers in, in 2010 yep. when they came back from three nothing on the Bruins. You know, uh, right right up until Patrick Kane scored, it almost felt like 
there's a way they're going to find a way. Yeah. You, you look at it, you go, okay, they just had to battle all the way back from down three, nothing, three, nothing in game seven. And they win that series. They're going to be exhausted, mentally gassed and everything heading against, uh, you know, against the Montreal Canadiens. And they beat the Canadians in five and went to the cup final. The three shutouts. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Dispatched them pretty quickly. Uh, on this episode, Bill, we're going to get into some Ask Billy uh, questions here. I thought it was a great time for people to kind of chime in. You and I have been kind of going over some of the uh, the details and Barry Trotz and John Tortorella, Paul Maurice, the names and the players. Oh, Gaudreau, does that make sense now that his season is officially over? And, you know, we haven't gotten any answers on anything yet. There seems to be almost a clog right now in the coaching situation. And that's probably all predicated. Uh, you know, Barry Trotz is like a big clog of hair in a, in a, in a sink. You got to get it out of there. You got to get the snake yeah. and get it out of there. And then everything will start to kind of fall, you know, in place. But until that happens, we may not get it. Um, so, you know, let's look at some of the things that the, you know, the fan base is looking at and some of the questions they have as we head into another week here uh, of uh, the offseason for the Flyers and the playoffs in general. And Jacob Juris starts us off. He says, ask Billy, is it worth it to take in a better, quote, more well-paid third right D in case Ellis is out for a long time, especially one more suited to play with Provorov, which one in that case? So do you want to pay a little bit more money as your insurance policy here? Because if you don't know if Ellis is going to be out like he was this past season, at least you got a higher pedigree payer player, even though you're paying more for him. Uh, I've I've been saying that that you know one big hurdle is going to be getting into July and and uh, you know ho- hopefully getting some kind of good word on on Ellis. I still have a concern about him getting through next season healthy, mm-hmm. and uh, I think you have to. I think you have to have uh, a right-handed defenseman who. You know, I mean, it's never an ideal situation, right? But but somebody with enough pedigree where you could move him up, potentially play him with Provorov if you have to do that. Uh, you know, the Flyers have other needs, but, you know, what happened last year after Ellis went down was the – everything everything went off balance, right? Your pairs became unbalanced, and, you know, and the, the matchups weren't what you wanted them to be. And you're risking that same situation again. It's a it's a major risk in that situation again. So I think you, I think you have to address, you know, the the third pairing with an idea in mind. You might have to shuffle things around if, if Ellis is not sound. And listen, if, if 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 it's bad news in Ellis, then you have to think higher than that. And actually, you know, you would use long term injured reserve space and go after a guy you're targeting for the first pair. I mean, I think that 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 has to be one of the big priorities. I know. You know, everybody's singing forward, forward, forward. But I think until you know that, that Ellis is sound, I don't think you can do anything else. Yeah. So, I mean, do, major, major. Do you look at this more as a free agent type acquisition or a trade? I mean, some of the free agents, notable right shot guys, Connor Murphy, he, he's going to be a UFA. You got right. Josh Manson, John Klingberg, that's going to be an expensive UFA. Yeah. But then you look at guys like Nick Letty, 31 years old. You look at guys like, well, Latang's not going to come here, or PK no. Subban, no. you know, is not going to come here at, uh, what is he now, like uh, 33 years of age. So yeah. where do you kind of, do you look more in the trade market for this acquisition, or are you looking more in free agency? Potentially. I, I, I would I would probably look first to free agency on a one-year, two-year kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a shame Chris Latang's been a penguin his whole life. 
because they could yeah. sure they could you know even even given his age now they could sure use Chris Letang for a year or two. Mm. Obviously that's, that's not going to happen, but uh, you know something like that. He you know he you know uh, yeah Manson type. I mean for third pair would yeah you know, would would bring several things that would help a team. Um, you know well a guy like Letty mm-hmm. is going to move up. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, those would be guys that I that I think would would help the team, and you know, and particularly if you're, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we're we're, we're you know we're gonna. I, I know I know they're gonna be questions about what do you do this off season, what forwards do you target, and I, and I think everything is going to be predicated on two things: how confident are you that you're not going to have to address your top defense bearing, and what kind of cap space can you create? Because yeah. You know, with, without that, you, it's really hard to answer the question of what forwards you target. So those things, you need to know what you're doing before you, you go ahead. Absolutely. Totally agree. Maybe look at a guy like Troy Stetcher. Yeah. A little younger, too. Yeah. You yeah. may not be looking for that role, though, if uh, Ellis is healthy at this point in his career. So um, let's go to Logan G. Tweeted in for Ask Billy and says, Is there any players in the rumor mill that are possible trade targets and who are some likely candidates that won't be wearing a Flyers sweater next season? As far as the trade targets, the first part of his question, I mean, there's, I don't know if it's just, I, I would expand it beyond trade targets and any big name that's out there like Gaudreau, like yeah. uh, Philip Forsberg, um, Nazem Kadri. They've all been mentioned by people, but can the Flyers afford them? And as far as trades go, I, I don't know that we're in the trade bait silly season part just yet. No, I, I, I agree. You know, and in terms of who might not be here, you know, are, are we talking hockey trades or are we talking salary cap? Um, you know, I, I, you look, you know, I, I mean, you, and I, I think you're familiar with the names that keep coming up, you know, Travis, Travis Konechny, right, in a hockey trade potentially, right? Um, you now you, you hear, well, what do, what if they can't get Sandheim extended? Then all of a sudden, you know, you're probably looking at having to trade them by the deadline next year if you can't, if you can't get an extension. Um, you know, I, I, not that you want to move them to me, the time, if you, if you can't get them extended to move them is actually to me, the off season, just because mm-hmm. the closer you get to the deadline, uh, you know, and people say the opposite sometimes, but I don't think that's the case. I, I think the time when the team gets a full season with a guy, you know, um, potentially a contender or whatever, they can evaluate that year and then potentially resign him ahead of July 1st, a year from now, I think you get more value that way if you have to. Now, obviously, if you extend them, that, that changes things. You put some conditions on it, too, that if he extends it, it goes from part of the deal goes from a third rounder to a second rounder or a first rounder. Right. Those are all part of the equation as well that they can do. So, um, you know, you look at the situation, Bill, and what's going on in Boston. We don't know the future of Bergeron. We know that Marshan's going to be out six months. McAvoy's yeah. going to be out, looks like, six yeah. months. Um, I think Greslick too is going to be out. I mean, they are banged up. Is that a team that you call up to look and try and maybe make a move? You look at a guy like Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I, I mean, potentially so. Um, you know, I, 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 again, you know, I, I, I hesitate to say that anybody should be untouchable, right? Um, I mean, and, and certain guys. Listen, like I'm certainly not looking to trade Joel Faraby, just as an example. Mm-hmm. But there, there are conceivable deals out there where you go, you know what, we have to do it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's going to happen or I expect it to happen. I'm just saying that, 
You know, there's no name you could say. I go, absolutely not. You don't, you know, you don't move that guy. There, there's, there's, the Flyers don't have that guy that, uh, you know, you would say under no circumstances will we move him just because we, we would lose so much that any value we could bring in, you know, would, would create too big of a hole. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I think that anything should be on the table. I, I agree. And like you said, I've used the same term. There's some guys I'm not looking to trade. Yeah. But, if a, a GM calls me and brings up anybody's name, I'm not slamming the phone down and yeah. going, you're, you're nuts. Can't do that. You're not in a position to do that. So um, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much juggling Chuck Fletcher can pull off in two successive years when it comes to, um, you know, reshaping this roster. Some pretty significant pieces last year. Shane Gossespierre, Jake Voracek, some big faces yeah. uh, weren't here this past season. Let's get to Steve Kelly. He tweets in and says, Will Carter Hart take over the franchise lead in wins by the time his career is finished? <laughs> um, let's just get to his prime first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, listen. If the Flyers, yeah, if, if the Flyers are winning consistently, they get they get back to contendership, and and he stays healthy. I mean, it's a lot of ifs, right? Yeah. He's certainly he's certainly got to a real fast start in his career. I mean, youngest to ever win a game, and blah 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 blah. Right. So, you know. I mean, does he have the potential to do that? Sure. But it's, it's a long, long way off. It's uh, 178 you know, games off. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, the, there's a chance, but, you know, but, but especially wins and losses are so team dependent anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's got a shot. I think the interesting thing is, is that the guy that's third on the all-time wins list for the Flyers is Steve Mason. Yeah. 104. Bernie's number two at 231. Hextall number one at 240. And Steve Mason... Wayne Stevenson, Monic and Froze, each with 92. Pelly, just because his life was cut short at 87. Yeah. Pete Peters at 85. The flopping Doug Favell at number nine, 77 all-time wins. And Boosh coming in at 73. Yeah. And Carter Hart right now, 62 uh, wins in the NHL as a member of the Flyers. So long way to go. Long way to go long before way. we get to that. I mean, we look at this, Bill. I mean, we talked about Shesterkin. And you got Sorokin in this division as well. We'll see if that goaltending holds up uh, without Barry Trotz and Lane Lambert there now. And Samsonoff's a bit of a question mark, obviously, in Washington. Jari's still a little bit of a question mark for me. Question yep. mark for me in New Jersey, still with Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, but you're looking at some really good goaltending in this division, even with some of those question marks. Oh, for, yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talented young goalies out there. You know, I mean, I, I guess what you can say for Hard was just that he made his NHL debut so young. And had the had the pedigree of just a phenomenal one of the all time best you know careers in Canadian junior hockey history. So yeah. there, there's the pedigree that's there. But there's yeah there's there's a ton of talent and you know and and there's also the goaltending factories in Europe too. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, so I mean you, you just look at the the fact that it's Vasilevsky against Shesterkin and yes Vasilevsky's been a little bit inconsistent this round but you know but he's obviously an elite goaltender. There's been a shift there, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, goaltending. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, and a few years ago, it was all the Finnish goalies, whether it was yep. Kiprasov or whether it was Pekarine or you know uh, any any number of guys there. Even even Antti Niemi was a was a finalist for Vezina one year. So, you know, uh, I I think that it, that it goes in cycles, and then you know I I think that there's, I mean, I, it makes sense in a league where you know there's 32 teams, so there's you know, 64 jobs, 
there's a lot of quality goalies out there, even guys who aren't starters. So it's yeah. uh, it's tough. It's tough competition. Andreas Lindhall tweets in. That's a, that's a hockey name, Andreas Lindhall. Uh, he says, where is Ryan Ellis? He said, I mean, both in his injury status and physically. <laughs> he said, anyone heard something? Or that's grammatically incorrect the way he said that. But and it, has anyone heard anything is what he should have said or even seen him lately. He's the biggest what if this offseason. I don't know where Ryan Ellis is if he is back, you know, home working, uh, rehabbing and going through his you know, process to get back on the ice. So I'm not sure where he is physically built. Do you know, is he in the area? Do you know? I know he, I know he had plans to, to come in a few times during the off season. Um, I don't know where, I don't know where he's training. I don't know where he is in the process. You know, there's been nothing since he had his press conference kind of laying out what, uh, you know, how he got to that point and what the process might look like and kind of, you know, where he wants to be at certain points, like by July, he wants to be well into it, you know, and they'll, they'll have a better sense in July as to how ready he'll be for the season. You know, and he, you know, and I, I'm not going to touch on what various rumors are, but no, I mean, it's, it's gone, it's gone quiet, but I expected it to go quiet. I mean, it, it's a big question mark and, you know, I, I don't think we're going to hear anything again until July. So, you know, so, Hopefully he's on target. Hopefully he's progressing. I mean, well, we're already, you know, we're already in June now, so he should be, you know, uh, he should be kind of into this process by now, even yeah. if he's not skating all out or, you know, which we might be in a full off season. A lot of guys are still in that earlier, you know, the earlier end of the off season mode before you get into the heavier skating in July and particularly August. So it's, uh, it's, it, the, the answer is that it's unknown, but at least at least they spelled out what the process is supposed to look like, what they hope it looks like. Yeah, I mean, for me, no matter what happens this summer, if things go well, I'm still holding my breath when we get to the season. I am too. I am you too. There, there's nothing that can be said or done this offseason that cannot make me be a little, you know, reticent to go to push all in with my emotion in regards to Ryan Ellis. I'm just not there yet. Yeah. I mean, well, he has, you know, the... He'll, they, they felt that none of his particular ailments were serious enough to require surgery, but there's multiple ones. And, you know, these things can and quite often do recur, right? And it can happen, you know, and, and all as much as you train in the offseason and as much as, you know, as hard as you skate in practice and whatever, it's different when you get into games. Yeah. And it, and then there's a whole other level from preseason to regular season. And I just know we went through a year where Ryan L started up day to day and ended up, ended up only playing four games. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I think you have to have concern. I think, I, I think you're not being realistic if you're not concerned. Uh, Bill, this was a lot and uh, two parts. We decided to break it into two parts because we had so much. Thanks to everybody that tweeted in. Read Bill's stuff on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com as well. And we will talk to you Wednesday, part two coming up of another great Ask Billy segment. Everybody have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you coming up on Wednesday on a brand new Flyers Daily. All it is, was and will be. Universe, much too big to say.